Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series of messages on the Book of the Twelve. Today, looking at Hosea. And now, here's Phil. Good morning, you all in South Porcupine. My name is Jose. I was a prophet of God when I was on the earth. The name given to me by my father, Beery, was according to the practice of many families. I don't understand all this modern technology you use here. My devout parents gave me that name so I would always be committed to knowing God and following his ways. As a young man, I vowed to God that I would not follow the ways of my nation around me. God spoke to me in a way that attracted me to serving him for my whole life. He told me that he wanted someone to bring his message to his people, Israel. He told me he would bring, me, bring through me messages about the knowledge of the true God and the hope of salvation that is found only in knowing him personally. I knew about the ways of the Baal worshippers, their idolatry, their evil feasts, and their total abandonment of the laws that he had given them. Also, I vowed to him that I would be his forever, and I would love him and serve him as one of his prophets. I had no idea what was in store for me. A short time later, God called me to marry a prostitute from the Baal worshippers. That left me sick in my, st- in my stomach for many days, as I had my heart set on winning one of the faithful Israeli girls that had caught my attention. I told God many times in prayer that I had not signed up for this. And then he told me which one he asked that I marry. Her name was Gomer. I will leave the rest of that story to God's messenger this morning. But over the rest of my life serving as a prophet of God, that question, did I sign up for this, continued to uh, involve my heart and my mind through all that I, I was to experience. You probably have no idea how tough the life of a prophet was, who ended up with the persecution from kings, priests, the authorities, the powerful, the wealthy, and many others, even my family. But what kept me going was the continuing presence of God with his provision, with his promises, with his love, grace, and care for me and my family. The hope that he provided for the future in spite of all the rejection of him was so amazing to me. And so I give you this morning through God's spirit what he inspired me to write so that when you meet in heaven, you'll be there with me in the worship that springs from his salvation and eternal promises. Uh, if you're following uh, this message and with, via your Bible, you might want to turn in the, within the pew, books, uh, pew Bibles to page 1395 or turn to your own Bibles as well. This is Philip speaking now. <clears throat> Some of the things that Ho- Jose went through were common Uh, to the other prophets, we just want to summarize as an introduction. Uh, 
Listen to what, what, have been, what, what might have been in the minds of some of these other prophets famous to us, I'm sure. Abraham, God, you want me to leave home and go where? Moses, God, do you want me to tell Pharaoh what? Noah, God, you want me to build what? Ted, can you uh, just give me a hand here? I can't... Uh, Get this right. Joshua, are you sending us to spy on these nations? Daniel, what will happen to us if we don't eat this food? Isaiah, say what, Lord? You want me to preach without clothes on? Jose, God, you want me to marry who? And even the Lord, the greatest prophet, the perfect prophet, when he was, uh, he suffered, as we know, throughout his whole um, life on earth in similar ways to the, the other prophets, but on a completely different plane and, and severity. And at the cross, what did he say? Jesus, my, Jesus said, asked, my father, why have you forsaken me? So let's just turn to the, uh, uh, the book itself and we'll look at some of the things about it by way of introduction. Uh, who wrote the book? What was the historical context for its writing? Who was he writing to? What was he facing around him politically, culturally, and religiously uh, in the mission that he was sent to bring? First of all, the writer of the book, as you'll see at the top of your page, was Jose. Literally, it was Hoshe, in, uh, and I don't pronounce that well in Hebrew, but uh, the name Jose is the one that has been handed down to us. In Hebrew, that, the meaning of that name, and it was oftentimes given to people with meaning to their names. Mine's Philip. It had no meaning to me or to others, but in those days it did, and it meant salvation derived from the verb to save. One of the other, there are others with that same name in the Old Testament. None of the other reference to refer to this Jose, who was the prophet. As an example, the son of Nun, who Moses renamed Joshua, uh, was, uh, was, uh, was renamed Jose, sorry. New Testament, sorry. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, Paul, quoted from the book of Romans where Paul quotes from Hosea 1, 10 and uh, 2 and 23. And, and also uh, there was from Romans chapter 9, verses 25 and verses 26. So there's good evidence in the, in the scriptures of who the author was. And uh, from the New Testament, uh, it, it was, he was quoted in Matthew as well as uh, the book of Romans. We always like to look at the ancestry and find out who these people were in their families in the, in the Bible to kind of help us understand what they were saying. This fellow's name was the, he was the son of Beery, and we have no knowledge of his ancestry, which for many other cases we do have. Uh, he was called, therefore, not by lineage or by position or by uh, wealth or by power. He was just sovereignly called as a, as a God's servant and by God's sovereign choice. He lived during the reigns of several kings, and that provides about the, the time frame in which he, he wrote the book and preached, was probably 
in the area of some 30, 30 years to, to the things that he was facing. To understand this book, I really had to delve into the, the style of the book. It's a very complex book when you first get into it. And some of these will help us to unlock the meanings of what he was trying to say to them and to us today. He was a, he was really was a master writer and he used many, many forms of English language treatment to express himself to the people who would understand some of the things that he was saying. Uh, the book is predominantly a book of poetry in the styles of other biblical writers like the Psalms, for example, uh, Isaiah, and others. He used powerful metaphors. Predominantly uh, through, throughout the book, the metaphor of, uh, of marriage uh, as it related to uh, uh, the people and their faithfulness or unfaithfulness to God. And that metaphor is, of course, expressed uh, as, as God asked it to be done uh, through Jose's marriage to Gomer, a prostitute, and that that was to be a picture of God's love for people, uh, finding them wherever they are, loving them and bringing them uh, to himself. And that portrait continues throughout the book as spiritual adultery often is the reference by, by Jose um, as they, the God's people, Israel, violated their covenant with God and his laws and his love and his care for them. He often used something we know as parallelism or a pairs of sentences, uh, where it's a repetition of his message, sometimes meaning the same thing twice, sometimes saying one thing and showing it in its opposite, and other times saying one thing and building on it in the next sentence, uh, to enlarge on it, and uh, he uses that a great deal. He also uses the term uh, uses many allusions. One of the key ones in the book to understand is is allusion to Egypt. When the literal engineer who liked to look, who likes to look at maps, he would refer to uh, Egypt and Memphis, a city in Egypt. I'm thinking he is speaking from no, to the northern kingdoms. What does that have to do? with what he's telling them is going to happen to them if they forsake God. He's going to send them to Assyria. What, what's this Egypt all about? But it, that is always, pretty much always an allusion to the experience of the nation of Israel when they were in Egypt in slavery, had abandoned God and, and lived in the culture of the time in Egypt. And he's saying, if you go to, if, if you keep on the path that you're on, Assyria is going to invade you and it's going to be just like you were, you were back in Egypt. Why do you want to return to that is the allusion uh, that he is making. <clears throat> I've given some references for some of the other ones just to get a flavor of the book uh, in, the, in the Bible verses there. We're not going to go through them this morning, but when you study later, as I'm sure you will, uh, you may want to take a look at those as examples of the other things. Uh, one example of parallelism, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An example of imagery, Israel was a spreading vine, brought fruit only for itself. Egypt we've talked about. And then this rhetorical question, what can I do with you, Ephraim? Now, Ephraim was a region of 
Israel at the time, it was also a city just somewhat north of, of Jerusalem. What can I do with you people, in other words, who continue to reject me and, and you continue not to live uh, for me? That's kind of a, that's a rhetorical question. And then he also expresses lament in that same phrase where he's saying, oh, what can I do with you people? Uh, is my, my tone of what was being written there. Another one is word plays. Uh, I, I again was trying to look up all these cities to see where they were and how it related to the story. And uh, he talks in Hosea 4 and 15, uh, Though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Do not go to Gilgal, one city. Do not go up to Beth-Avon, which was, uh, which was a name uh, given by God in other places to the city of Bethel. Bethel was a place of worship, and uh, here uh, God and 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 uh, the prophet talks about the house of Bethel as the house of idolatry, the house of idols, and so we need to understand some of the poetry and the the figures of speech throughout the book to really make sense make sense of it. And overall, this book is uh, with these other expressions through the English language. Uh, he was a prophet. And he was forthtelling to the people God's message. I tried to look up this morning what percentage of the book was written by God, and where no, no, where Jose was quoting him, and it's a big portion of the book where God says, in quotations, "This is what He wants you to know and what He says." I'm not saying He doesn't embellish it according to His own way of speaking to the people, but. Uh, that's how inspiration works, of course, in different ways with the different writers. He spoke the message of God to them for that time, but also as part of the prophecy, and clearly the case in, in his prophet prophecies, was the prediction of what was going to happen, the foretelling of what was going to happen if their current rejection of God continued. And uh, so he was a prophet, and he writes prophecy uh, throughout that uh, throughout that book. One of the first things I like to do when I start to study a book is look at the word counts in the book to just give me a flavor, give us a flavor of what's, what's dominant in the book. And in this book, you can see the, you can see the list of, if I can figure this one out. The, these are the, the Lord name and God, the name God, of course, are predominant in the book in a very big way compared to the other things. And then you have the references to some of the cities and to the nation uh, uh, and to kings uh, of the neighboring nations. And a lot about the relationships, ch child and children, the land, and the love of God uh, shows up a great deal as well in the book. So it just gives you a flavor of what, what uh, uh, God is doing with the, with the prophet in these cases. And throughout the book, I've got a few slides just to orient us into the the, uh, the structure of the times and how Jose was located. Uh, Kingdom of Israel under Saul and so on broke apart into uh, ten nations and twelve nations, and uh, Jose was talking to the speaking to the northern nations from the. Uh, um, 
from the from the north itself. And if you look at the slide, uh, the slide you can see uh, the, the 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 boundary was somewhere in this area. And there's the northern tribes in the land in which they lived. Ephraim is referred to in the book as uh, uh, as a city and also uh, as a, as a region. And uh, uh, Jacob is also a description word of the northern city. And then Israel sometimes is referring to the northern kingdom of Israel of the ten tribes. And other times he's, he is adjust, addressing Judah uh, independently and also together in the word uh, Israel throughout the book. On this slide we can see uh, 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 the, the word used in these maps is Aram for the Syrians. And the Syrians was one of the uh, nations surrounding Israel at the time. And it will show uh, another slide in a moment to uh, locate the the, uh, the Assyrians. So we have the boundary shown here for reference just north of Jerusalem. Uh, oh, what did I do here? So there is Jerusalem, well-known, Bethlehem to the south. Interestingly, this is the Gaza Strip today that we know so much about today. And uh, there's Ammon, Ammon or whatever it's called uh, in different maps. Uh, there's the Jordan River and uh, the, the Israel as the northern kingdom, Judah to the south. Some of the cities that he, he's speaking about is Jezreel, a real place, uh, Gilead, a region as well as a town. He talks, uh, he talks about uh, uh, Bethel. We mentioned it earlier, Mizpah. There's Gilgal and, uh, and uh, there's Aram and Assyria is going to come up in the next slide just to give you a feeling for the for the geography and where he was speaking, where he was speaking from and to. In the next slide, we'll sh- Assyria is a big part of the book. If you don't obey God, the Assyrians are going to come. And here is the Assyria shown coming down in uh, to uh, take take over Israel. And uh, and uh, later on, about year 720. Uh, they in fact did take over the nation uh, of Israel. Later on, of course, the other uh, southern kingdom was taken over by the Babylonians. So we can see uh, this is a chart that others might be able to use. It's not. Some of them are a little different dates attached to them, but that are the dates across the top, the different powers that were at the time, uh, the north and south kingdoms. Uh, I'm not going to use the pointer. I'm getting lost. But the uh, you can see in the year about 720 is when Israel falls. And down below here you can see the time frame in which Jose wrote uh, his and lived and wrote his prophecies. And also on the same slide are the other uh, prophets uh, we'll be looking at later. So what was Jose facing around him? We've covered that. There were two great powers, Syria or Aram and Assyria. Assyria was the greatest threat. Uh, in the story of, of Jose, Israel had aligned with Syria, even though God told them not to. And uh, that uh, they, God told them to just stay as your own nation, but they disobeyed and aligned with Syria uh, against Assyria and Assyria finally uh, took them over. Religiously and culturally, 
this is where it starts to hit uh, what we want to know about uh, Jose and his work. Uh, religiously, the, around him, in both Israel and Judah, the people had rejected God. And the question for us becomes this morning, are we living for him? Are we aligned with the covenant he has made with us, the salvation that comes only in Christ? Are we uh, remaining close to him? Uh, in, his, in their rejection of Yahweh worship and service, Israel uh, will be uh, cataloged uh, of their sins uh, throughout the book. Uh, and that was what uh, Jose was facing. Great moral and spiritual deterioration. And particularly the religion of the culture of the Trist worship. The people worshipped uh, this God. It was nature hoping that this God would help them with their crops and so on. It was a worship of animals. Uh, calves are mentioned in the book. And there was a practice of sacred prostitution uh, of uh, which Gomer may have been a part that God, where God called her to, uh, to Jose. And they would, other readings would, uh, that I had with, in this Baal practice of the age, they would dec- sacrifice live children uh, on their altars to, to Baal. Some of the references there are given. just want to point out, in, in Jose's mind, where we've entitled this, uh, this review of his life as, uh, did I really sign up for this as a prophet? And when you think throughout the book as to who Jose was writing to, he was, of course, writing to Israel and Judah. He was writing to his family, obviously. And he was writing to kings, princes, and leaders uh, in the secular uh, aspect of the, of the culture. And, but he was also speaking to the priests and the rabbis, or I don't think they were called rabbis then, but the teachers of the law, uh, uh, of, of the books of the law that were, were given to them as God's people. Uh, I was uh, thinking about a quote that Stephen made in the book of Acts just before he was put to death by the Apostle Paul. One of the things that was said was this in Acts chapter 7. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who pr- they predicted the coming of the righteous one, Jesus and I'm sure Jose must have felt those kinds of persecutions. We know he did from all of those forces that were acting against him. And he, he was, at the same time, God had called him to bring his message to the kings, to the, to the priests, to the powers that were there at the time to hear the message of the gospel of sovereign God. I just want to highlight, uh, this covers a little bit of what David Hook did, and I won't uh, detail it, but the, there is the upper story going on here that we can't lose track of when we talk about maps and, and uh, locations and particular prof, uh, prophets' messages. God, through all of this, wants his people to know him and to live with him. His people are rejusing, choosing to reject him, in this case, Baal worship, but it mainly is the choice that people were making to not follow God, walk away from him and live according to their own uh, self and uh, the cultures of the world and get caught up in those things. The consequences of rejection of God are fatal. And that's something for that he outlines to them as to what was going to happen to him. And that that principle applies to us today. It's one step away and it can be a very great fall, and ultimately could uh, 
attract the judgment of God, even in this life, for what, what's, what you've done in rejecting his, his goodness and his love and his care. The opportunity by God for people to repent and turn from idolatry was always available uh, throughout the whole book, even though this, there is God, is the continuing uh, theme of the book. God's love and seeking their return will not cease. And one of the other things uh, there is in the book is the authentication of the prophet. The prophet was clearly claiming to speak God's words, as I mentioned earlier. If you don't, it's not, I'm just the messenger. Here is what God wants you to hear and to see. Today we have God's word and the messages that he gives us all through his spirit. These are the ways that he, one of, some of the ways he makes himself known uh, to us today. Uh, so again, we have, uh, getting into the book, we'll just work our way through the chapters briefly. Uh, Jose's calling, and I'm sure we're, he's asking the question, Lord, do you want me to marry who? Uh, and that marriage would be a picture uh, of God's love for his people, even though they have rejected him, uh, including this woman for a life of idolatry and persecution. And God called one of those out for him uh, to be his. In the next uh, uh, part, chapter one, next part of chapter one, I know you can't read this this chart. Yes, it's an Excel chart. This comments for Peggy Bendel, uh, but uh, we'll just work our way through quickly to get you a feel for the nature of uh, his his actual life. The rest of it is kind of his preaching. This is about his life. He was asked to marry a prostitute. Your marriage will also be a message to the, my people, says the Lord. The land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. Gomer likely means completion or fulfillment. Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, as Jose by idolatry. And those are the, in terms of the marriage, that kind of ends there. And then in the next ones, uh, he's, he's given the names of the children that they are going to bear together or might have been adopted. I don't really know. The first child was named Jezreel, God scatters. And the aside, beside that name, God told uh, Jose, I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. The second child, uh, the meaning of her, of her name was to be pitied. God says, I will no longer show love to the house of Israel that I should at all forgive them. So he says that to, for the uh, condemnation that he has in their rejection of him and their sin. And then there's this yet clause or, the, or this yet word or this but word. You have sinned against me, but I am giving you this hope. And that is the structure all through the book of how he outlines uh, how he sees his cho- sees his people, and how they are to yet have a hope, even though he's condemning them for who they are and what they have and what they have become. The third child, Lo Ami, not my people, is what that name means. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, "You are not my people," they will be called sons of the living God. We looked at that at communion this morning. 
And this is one of the verses that is quoted in the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul. And he is referring back to that and, and reminding them that the Jewish people thought that they could, even at their best of times, could win God's favor, that his salvation through works. And Paul was reminding his people that real Israel, true Israel, are the people that accept him, repent of their sins, turn to him as Savior and Lord, and live for him. It's by God's grace, not by works. It's not by attending a church. It's not by trying to do the basic disciplines of a Christian life even each day. It's a recognition that God saves us from our sin, became our Savior by grace and mercy upon us and love for us and wants to live with us and be cared for by him. So that's his family situation and the reality of his uh, living in the life. And then Jose's calling his Lord, you want me to say this to these powers that be? First, God says to him, speak my message of judgment. Hosea chapter verse 2, verse 13, as an example. I will punish her for the day she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry. When after her lovers but me, she forgot. So that's referring to God's people and also referring to Gomer, to be sure. But, here's the yet, or the but. Go and speak my message of love. Therefore, I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those who who were called, not by my people, uh, but you will call me uh, your people again. And then the next difficult time of Jose's life was, Lord, do you really want me to forgive her? So this Gomer of unfaithfulness is married, lives for a time, has children, and then apparently uh, she leaves again to go to her old life. And God asks Jose to forgive her. Now, this is kind of weird stories to us, but what God is trying to portray to us is here are the dimensions of my love for you and my forgiveness for you, irrespective of where you are in your life, and you are to forgive. Uh, you, are, you can be forgiven by God if you uh, turn to Him. And uh, so, he, he, in his portrait of uh, of their life, representing God with His relationship with the nation of Israel, he's asking Jose to go to her, redeem her, bring her back, and that will be a demonstration of God's love uh, for the Israelites and how he wants them to live for him. And we won't have the time to read all the texts of chapter 3. On the next slide, we have a question I'm sure that uh, uh, Jose was asking, Lord, what are your charges against your people? So he starts a new movement through the rest of the book, outlining uh, what God had as a case against them. And this section of the book from chapters 4 to 8, uh, I called it Reproof. There's three R's, Reproof, Retreat, uh, Outline, and the book is not written like that. I get that flavor from those books, but that, that, those themes work their way. They're intermixed throughout the whole book. So it, it, they're coming and they're going, they're coming and they're going. What was his case against them? Listen to what he says. 
There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. There is no knowledge of God. The priesthood is guilty. They are all in idolatry together. There is spiritual prostitution again listed. Drunkenness, there's arrogance, there's insolence, and there's sin. That describes people without God. Maybe it doesn't look like that in all of that severity. It can look very mildly in some cases, but it only takes one kind of those things to represent someone who lives without God. These are the charges of God uh, uh, reproving his people. In the next chapters of 9 through 10 is retribution. Okay, there are your sins. What is the penalty for those sins? And he, he says to them, Do not rejoice, O Israel. I'm sorry about the slides. Retribution. They will not remain in the land, the Lord's land. Ephraim will return, to, will return to Egypt and eat unclean food in Assyria. There's how the, the allusions come into this story. Even if they escape from destruction, Egypt will gather them and Memphis will bury them. And so on. Because your sins are so many and your hostility so great, the prophet is considered a fool, the inspired man, a maniac. In other words, the prophet is, prophet's message from God is being rejected. The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over Ephraim, yet snares await him. And God will remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. There is a day of judgment coming to the world. There is a day of judgment where sin is going to be judged, whether it's someone leaving this life without God, or it's, whether it's an end time event, which we don't have time to address, where God's judgment will will prevail and pour out on the nations and individuals of the world. How uh, Hosea is asking, Lord, how shall I warn your people? Well, he did that. He warned them of the, the events ahead that would certainly come via Assyria uh, if they continued to not repent. The last section is, Lord, uh, oh, sorry. Um, there's other pages, and for the sake of time, I won't go through these, but again, it's the retribution story, and we'll skip to uh, the question that Jose must have been asking. Dear God, is there no hope for us? And this is the restoration part of the book, chapters 11 through 14. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. But it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. There is hope. There is restoration. In chapter 11, verse 8, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? I am God. I am not man. I am the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. And my people will follow me once again, and I will settle them in their homes. And I think we will go right to the end. There's more in those uh, along that line, but it's a, are a repetition. So the prophet summary at the end of the book is, O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I will 
I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are righteous. The right are right. The righteous will walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So what does this mean for us? Just as I call the music team to come up. God loves and calls all to himself. God is the only savior from sin that separates all from God. The father has made this possible through his sending his son to die for our sins in our place. It is not by works, it is by grace. It is is by mercy, it is by his love that he continues to call a people for himself. That remnant of Israel that the Apostle Paul described is us. We today have the opportunity to know him personally, to be redeemed and forgiven of our sin, and to be brought close to himself. And from the prophet we have these additional things that uh, I think we can experience through understanding this book. This happens even when we dramatically take steps. God is leading us along in the way that he has called us. And we can't predict it. We can question, I didn't sign up for this, Lord. Uh, but we are being led by him as we continue to commit to him and know him. Even when the complexity of the fallen world is allowed to happen by God. We, we, it would happen then with Assyria and Syria and the power forces of the world all merging in on on Israel to to destroy them because of who they were as the people of God, uh, in, in at least in part, and we better leave it there. But uh, God is sovereign and is in charge of the complexity of of the things that He allows in the world. But He is still the God who is in control. The message for us: keep following Jesus through it all, and live for Him and with Him in your every in our everyday lives as we seek to honor Him for all that who he is and all that he has done for us. Great. God, just uh, pray that you just touch our heart with the message that uh, Phil brought to us this morning, that we realize that uh, the extent that you've gone to show your mercy and your grace towards us and that that was uh, displayed for us for our repentance to come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.